0: As I move into this message this morning, I talk about the covenants, but there's, there's a special part of the covenants that God has made with us, His children. And I'm going to be speaking out of Jeremiah in the Old Covenant and John in the New. Just to give us an understanding of where I'm coming from, this message is called Healing Broken Hearts. You might want to put that one up there, thanks, uh, Daniel or any who's ever doing that for me. And you'll see that that heart is shaped uh, by broken shards of glass. Because our hearts can be broken, and I'm not going to say to you, go back and reflect on it now while I'm speaking with you uh, through this message. But could you remember any time, and not this fairy floss stuff that you read about in Mills and Boone, I'm talking about times when your heart was actually shattered and broken. And you didn't see any, any light in the day, any hope for tomorrow, or any joy, nothing could could ease the heartache that you experienced has anybody been there of course we have so this morning we're not immune from that because we're made of flesh and blood and God created us that way but the thing is we have a heart because God has a heart and I believe if God God's heart can be broken so can ours but God is about restoring and healing and the broken heart and if you've been through a broken-hearted situation this morning this message is for you because it certainly has been for me There are times that I felt like I just did not want to be here. That's how dark it gets. But I'm going to read to you this morning from Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 to 34. And then we're going to dissect this a little bit and apply the principles of everything that Jesus Christ has done for us. Everybody okay? Then, Father, I pray that this word would not return void. It would be sharp and as effective as a two-edged sword dividing between soul and spirit and god your holy spirit would come and refresh your servant this morning that we might truly grasp the fact that god without you there is no hope but you came to heal and bind up the brokenhearted and to set us on a path of victorious overcoming and lord i thank you for your word that shall not return void in jesus name amen so jeremiah chapter 31 verses 31 to 34 behold I will take the covenant, I will put it in their, in their minds and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man's brother saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. That is powerful. And if you know Jeremiah, that stuff doesn't normally come out of Jeremiah. He is a fiery preacher, and he is a guy that called a spade a spade in the Old Covenant. Now, this Old Testament, or a better word for it is the Old Covenant, reading this morning continues with that theme of covenants that I started to speak on last week. These words spoken through the prophet Jeremiah present a new picture to us, a whole new covenant between God and his people, Israel. This new covenant includes the salvation and the forgiveness of sins. Do you know this is the only covenant in the Old Testament that points directly to Jesus, the one who has the atonement for our sins, the forgiveness of our sins and salvation, spoken of in Jeremiah to this covenant of Jesus Christ. The context of this passage is so important at the time of this prophet Jeremiah. Here we see the children of Israel are in exile in Babylon. Now, anybody remember Boney M? Oh, yeah, you're an old congregation. Who remembers Boney M? The song? By the rivers of... Where we... Eh, we will... When we remember... You know, they're singing Jeremiah's covenant. I don't know whether to keep joining in with you, my friend, because that's... But we all know it. And you know what? People who made that a number one hit still didn't even know they were singing about God and heaven. Incredible. And through the destruction of the temple and the centre of their faith, these people saw their temple and their... Their love for God destroyed, completely wiped out in front of them and they were taken to a foreign land with foreign gods and false idols. And they felt like God had rejected them and they were alone where we sat down and we wept by the rivers of Babylon. God, where are you? Where is this covenant you made with our fathers? Then God says through Jeremiah, I will create a new covenant with you and I will write it on your minds and write it in your hearts and you'll no longer have to tell each other, remember the Lord, because you'll know. It's a time of great suffering and sorrow and the Israelites are wondering whether God had abandoned them. Friends, this is such a picture of a broken heart if I've ever seen it. They were in mourning all the time. At the loss of everything they held close, it became a part where they actually believed God had abandoned them. And there are times we as Christians think that God has abandoned us. We feel so broken, so destitute. God, where are you in the midst of this? And as I said, Jeremiah was a fiery preacher. And he got stoned and flogged so many times, but he kept speaking the word of God. But the other thing that Jeremiah was known for was the weeping prophet because Jeremiah had a unique connection with God's heart and God's heart was breaking itself over the rebellion of the children of Israel and the false gods they started to follow and the idols that they set up in place of him. You know, sometimes we blame God, where are you, when we've got idols and stuff set up in our own life. That's pretty heavy, but we all do it. Sometimes it could be the God of sport because the God of money, the God of of fame, of prosperity, of wealth. But this morning's passage, there are a few words of comfort that Jeremiah speaks to the children of Israel. And that first section of of actually chapter 30 and 31, if you did a study on this, these are called the little book of comfort of chapter 30 and 31 of Jeremiah. They represent an image of restoration for the children of Israel. And they represent a restoration for people like you and I who have had our hearts broken. He presents a, an image of, of hope and a new covenant that God is making. And look at this, put this light up. For God declares, "For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After all these days declares the Lord, I will put my law within them, and I will what? write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people." This is nothing like any of the earlier covenants that God had made written on tablets of stone that would soon be forgotten no 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 instead this new covenant will be written upon the hearts of the people themselves for which one can truly really say they can escape the presence of God if God has already written it on their minds and on their hearts I love Jenny's analogy this morning grab your right earlobe with your left finger squeeze your left thumb upon your finger grab your right toe you know I'm telling you what they're reminders that God is in control and this, this covenant God is making with the people saying, listen, I am the only God who can save you. I am the only God you should serve and worship because I love you and I will deliver you and I'll protect you. See, what's written on the hearts of people is this very fact that they belong to God and because they're part of a very, very big family and they'll no longer be able to ignore their relationship with God as people in this world are tending to do. Through Jeremiah, God continues, No longer shall they look to one another and say, uh, Know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least to the greatest. Now, I'm going to go off track a little bit here, and you can get upset with me if you like, but it's time from the pulpit to call a spade a spade. Everybody okay? Okay. You know what? I'm going to have a rant right now, because I believe that God has written his law, His name on the hearts and minds of every human created because we are all created what? In the image of God. In the image of God, He created the man and woman. Do you agree with me? Does Scripture say this? You know what? You know what ticks me off? People who have no living relationship with God, oh, stay calm. Have you heard the saying, oh my God? Or more like, oh my God. G-A-W-D, hey? Or, you know, oh my God, this, oh my God, oh my God. Do you know him? Or is it just, why do people say, oh my God, when they have no relationship with him? Because he's already written on their heart and in their mind. They go, oh my Satan, oh my Satan. Do they say that? No, they go, oh my God. And, uh, and the, what, what about the name Jesus Christ? You know, just understand this when I say this and all of you do not log off. He is mentioned at football games. He is mentioned everywhere. Oh, Jesus. So you know him. I play golf with some people who talk to Jesus every day. And I go, You know him. And they look at me really sheepish and they don't do that so much. Like, what do you do? Oh, I'm a minister. Suck that. But the truth is, or they give in the full time. Oh, Jesus Christ. Come on, you can't say you've never heard it. But I hate it. Because why do they use that term? Because God has written his name on their hearts and on their minds. It is the first thing that comes there. The truth is you and I know the truth and the truth has set us free. It's no longer a curse name. It's a name of salvation. It's a name of hope. End of rant. People will now carry the knowledge of God within their hearts because the Lord, he is my God and he's yours. I'm glad you're awake this morning. I'm glad you're with me. And there's even a greater promise through this covenant, that this gift of salvation of now what we have in Jesus Christ. When I say Jesus Christ, it is, I prayer walk every morning now, friends. I can't help it. I don't know whether it's for my dog's health or mine, but I'm doing it because simply I need to give Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, first fruits of the day. And I pray for those who need prayer. I pray for my family. I pray for my heart. I pray for this word over you this morning. But again, through the word of Jeremiah, for I, I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. Praise God for that every day. For me, I know you saintly saints who never blow it. But I do, and I need to keep short accounts with God every morning because great is his faithfulness. He is new every morning. And I am loving and looking forward to the time when there will be no separation between God and his beloved people because God has written his word on my heart. And I'm telling you, if you get this this morning, God's love is written in your heart. And the scripture says, you shall know the truth... And this truth shall what? Set you free. And with the forgiveness of sin, absolutely nothing stands between God and his people. The only thing that stands between God and his people is the idols that you and I put up there. And the other people, you know, I I love that quote by Spurgeon this morning. The gospel is not something that needs to be defended, it is like a caged lion that needs to be let out. It's time, church. This world is going to hell. In a handbag because the church is remaining silent I'm not ashamed of the gospel I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ and when his name is used as a swear word I get offended call me politically right-wing I'm offended I have my rights I know what I, I know what is right Jesus Christ he is the way the truth and the life of course we as Christians know that the new covenant is about the work of Jesus Christ on the cross we know that by his shed blood we're redeemed and his work breaks down the barrier of sin that separated us from God now I'm going to read some verses out of John chapter 20 John chapter 12 verses 20 to 33 might not be what you expect but we'll open it up now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast then they came first to Philip who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked them, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, Now, what happened to the people who came to see Jesus? No, no, he's talking to his friends now. Now, Jesus answered them and said, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am there, my servant will be also. I love that. If anyone serves me, him my Father will honour. I know this day... Whom I serve, do you? Now my soul is troubled. At what shall I say? Father, save me from, from this hour. But for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And therefore the people who stood by and heard it said that it thundered. And others said, An angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. This voice before you this morning is for your sake as much as mine. Now, in this, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. This he said, signifying the type of death that he would die. Right here, we are clearly seeing again that Jesus teaches us, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth... And remains a single grain, unless it dies and sprouts open, it will be, remain dormant and bear no fruit. But Jesus said, "A seed in your pocket is simply just a seed." But have you ever seen those those time lapse cameras of a seed in the ground? And what happens? The first thing that happens to the seed is it what breaks open and outsprings new life giving a multitude of, of seeds in return and a multitude of fruit from that one seed. Remember the, the, the teaching of the apple tree. People look at the apple tree and say, look at the amount of apples on that tree. But the wise person says, wow, look how many trees are in that apple. Understand? And what do we do with the apple core? We eat the fruit and throw the seeds away but it's in those seeds that spring forth new trees and new life and new growth. We are to be like that seed, planted and burst open to bear good fruit. I want my life to count, and so do you if you're honest with yourself. You want your life to make a difference for Jesus' sake. Therefore, are you willing to die to self and let Christ live through you and burst out of your life? Those who love their life will lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. It's my greatest and only hope, and it's really simple, of course, that we must follow Jesus to one place. It's the cross. We must follow him to the cross, to the place of his uttermost brokenness and pain, and through this pain and this suffering that Jesus went through, that this covenant is forged and this message is written upon our hearts. A message spoken about in Jeremiah in chapter 31. A same message preached to Jesus at the cross. A new covenant written in his blood poured out for you and for me for the cross's sake. Because we know the heartache of brokenness, do we not? I could look at every one of you and know that, that you were going to nod your heads. Because Jesus knew heartbreak and Jesus knew brokenness. He knew betrayal he knew scourging, he knew beating, he knew pain. He knew what it was like to lose blood and to lose sleep and to lose friends and to be beaten and, and, and crucified. But when we compare the suffering of this world to the promised inheritance of God, heaven and its presence, wow, the things of this earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. What a great line of a hymn that was. I want to speak about my friend Tony Sullivan right now. On Wednesday, we farewell, Tony. My brother in Christ and friend to so many we had over 200 sitting in the church we had overflow down the back there were tributes coming in from the council there were tributes coming in from family and friends and and three pastors actually took that service and we loved it but I spent many time many hours with Tony many hours and prayed with him daily the fact is this that Tony knew in whom he had believed did he know pain and suffering yeah but the thing is, he knew the promise of God, and he passed now from death to life. We think he passed from life to death. No, that's not the heart of the Christian. The Christian passes from death in this world because we're living, but we will one day die. But we pass, do we pass from death to death? No, death to life and while Tony was here he spread seed, he spread the gospel, he was being burst open do you think he knew heartache? Do you think he wanted to stay and see his children married and to see them grow up and see his grandchildren and to, and to flourish in his marriage? Of course he did but the moment Tony left this world this last breath that he had here, he went and was in the presence of one whom, whom he had put his faith and trust in. Was Tony perfect? No way but he knew in whom he believed. And the fact is, we as a church have to understand this. Now, Tony is in heaven, whole and healed in the presence of God. No more pain, no more suffering, just joy in the presence of God, his Father who knew him from before he was born. And in that time of his great suffering on this earth, he's passed away from that. Now, it was said at his funeral, this, if Tony was given the choice now after being in the presence of God and in the presence of the fullness of joy, fully whole, fully restored, fully transformed back to, the, to what he was created to be in the first place, a child of God, if you gave him the option, Tony, do you want to go back? What, back to one arm, the pain of the phantom pain where my arm used to be, the, the hovering of death over my life, the, the inability to do what I was created to do. No, I'm not leaving your presence. And Jesus, Jesus gave all of that up so you and I could have access to the Father. What a wonderful covenant. This is what Jesus came to accomplish. That's why I preach this today. I read this devotion. I love Jenny and Graham. They give me books on devotions and, and I read a lot of stuff. But this devotion I read some time back, and it's so true of this message. I'll read this devotion. There is no way to be human without having one's heart broken. Sound true? There is no way to be human without having one's heart broken. Our heart can be broken into a thousand shards, sharp-edged fragments. That's why I used that sharp glass heart. Aimed, those shards become shrapnel And they are aimed at the source of our pain. Every day, untold numbers of people try without success to pick up the pieces of their brokenness. Some of them taking grim satisfaction in the way their heart's explosion has injured their enemies around them. Here, the broken heart is an unresolved wound that we carry with, with us for so long. Sometimes tucking it away and feeding it as a hidden wound festers. Sometimes trying to resolve it by inflicting that same wound into others' lives. But then there is another way to visualise what a broken heart might mean. Imagine that small clenched fist of a heart broken open into the largeness of life, into greater capacity to hold one's own and the world's pain and the world's joy. This too happens every day. We know that heartbreak can become a source of compassion and can become a source of grace because we have seen it happen with our own eyes as people enlarge their capacity for empathy and their ability to attend the suffering of others. You know something, this is what this devotion was all about. You can take your pain and you can use it to inflict it on others and people's lives can be broken because of your heartache. Or you can take your heartache and surrender it and it can burst open and out of it will flow rivers of living water. In Christian traditions, the broken open hearts virtually indistinguishable from the image of the cross of Jesus Christ. Let me explain this. It was on the cross that God's heart was broken for the sake of humankind. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. That word loved is not some Mills and Boone thing. It is a sacrificial covenant love. Broken open into the love of Jesus, whose followers are called to replicate this very thing. In its simplest form, the cross shows us really clearly how life's trials and tensions can pull us in every different direction. Put this picture of the cross up. See, on that cross, the beams stretch out four ways, don't they? North and south, east and west. And when Jesus was put onto that cross, he was stretched north, south, east and west. But those four arms, they converge right onto the center of the cross. A heart. And people say, your heart's here. No, your heart, do you know your heart's about right in the center of your chest? And that heart can be pulled open by the stretching and the tensions of life. A heart that can be opened fully, it can hold everything. From pain and despair to ecstasy and pure joy. And friends, that of course is how Jesus held that excruciating experience on the cross. He held his heart open for every heart that would seek after God. He held it open for you and I and for those who would turn to him. From our first reading of Jeremiah we're reminded of the people's deepest moments of brokenness and I said to you at the start of this message the deepest part of your brokenness there are times you felt like you're in exile and that God didn't care there are times that you thought that God had forgotten you and you'd given up hope of ever being in relationship with a God who established a covenant with you and then John the reading we had this morning Jesus shows us that we must be like that seed we must die to self and be broken open and spring forth and bear good fruit to die to ourselves and to live to that new covenant of God's grace and to bear great fruit. Sometimes we just need to acknowledge and accept that our brokenness is real but God is here to heal it, to restore each one of us. But it's in there and there alone is the blood of Christ, so powerful. For months and months after my conversion and my sister Brenda who would be watching this this morning can testify to this and I'm sure many of you can. In 1984 I knelt down and I gave my life to Jesus Christ in a little blue church in Glen Innes. I've shared this with you but you're going to get it because you haven't got me preaching with you for much longer. And after the service and I'd listened to the preaching and I can't tell you what was being preached. But all I knew was all of the sin, all of the brokenness, all of the guilt and all of the shame and all of the disappointment and the no, the way that I knew I'd broken God's heart. I was sitting out there under what we called the altar and I wept my heart out every Sunday. At prayer meetings, I'd become so intimate with God and, and the reminder of the sin and the brokenness of my life and wept it out and wept it out and wept it out. I was no longer the, the arrogant prideful broken human being I was a person loved by God being healed and restored and made whole again because my heart had been broken my heart was broken for the things that broke God's heart and you weep your way back to him and he, and he, and he took me up and he raised me up and he caused me to set my feet on a solid foundation one that I had never earned one that I was never worthy of just one that simply knew I loved him And I was sorry for the things that I'd done that broke his heart. And since then, I pray that my life has been different because of what he did for me. And it was like that with Brenda. And Brenda has picked up this prayer ministry, this care ministry, because her heart, she knows what's broken heart. She she would weep here after every service. It wasn't my preaching. It was just the conviction and the love of God. For this one purpose, that we would fully come to know the love of God, the path of suffering and the path of love. And I just say, can we be willing and open and honest to have our hearts broken again for his sake, for salvation's sake? I need to do it every day. That's why I go for my prayer walk. Oh, I could be so righteous and holy and spout all these things. But the thing is, I know who I am. And there is a heart of flesh in here as well. Keep short accounts with God every day. So that I might join with that great cloud of witnesses on that day when salvation comes when the Lord finishes it and how wonderful it will be for those of us who have trusted alone in our salvation through Jesus Christ and how sad will it be for those who only knew him by name and not by who he was on that day when every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father but there will come a time that we will stand before God, and everyone, it's written on our hearts. And he will either say, Enter into my rest, thou good and faithful servant, or depart from me, doer of iniquity, I never knew you. Now for those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I know the future that is yours, as you know that it is mine, that is my faith. It is in the covenant of the old covenant. It is a covenant of the cross. It is an unbreaking, unchangeable covenant for those who trust Jesus Christ. Guys, go to the cross. Let the cross open up your heart. Die to self. Get it right with Christ. And come out like a roaring lion and change this nation for the gospel's sake. Amen. Lord bless his word to you guys. Amen. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to speak this morning to these wonderful people but God more that your covenant of grace that you would write your word your law your heart upon our heart and upon our mind and God we will take that which you've given us and walk from this place transformed but Father if there is one person here this morning one person who doesn't know you Lord some person that has used your name in vain a person that has used your name as a blasphemy a person Father that that wants to know you but is far from you God I pray that your conviction would be upon their heart right now and God that you would just challenge them to come and get it right with you and God that salvation and eternal presence of your joy would be in their life God in this life and the life to come not separation I pray Lord Jesus Christ for those people who are hearing this and haven't met you personally that they will they will come and receive you as Lord and Saviour today in Jesus' name. Amen. I happened to be listening to the radio on the way home yesterday afternoon. Now as you all know, those who follow rugby league, a, 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 a famous rugby league player by the name of Johnny Raper passed away. And they interviewed Bob McCarthy, who was one of his playmate, uh, teammates. Played with Raper for many, many years. And they spoke about his prowess on the football field and his larrikinism and all of the things that he did, and somehow, some way, it got to, well, I bet Chook. That was his nickname. Chook's up there in heaven now, up, up there in the up, no, up in the upper room, up there, bossing them all around and telling them whatever. And then one of the other boys said, "Oh, maybe he pressed the wrong button. Maybe he's gone down to the other place." And then one of the people, I will not use their names, said, oh well, he'd be stirring them up down there as well." I thought you. No, I can't say fools, but you uneducated people in the Word of God. When you talk about that in the in the in the lightness of it, the devil has won a victory. They think there's some great party down there. There is eternal darkness and eternal separation from the presence of God. And only the fool says in his heart, there is no God, because the fool is, is storing up for himself death and destruction. And I hear it, and people out there listening in Radio Land would be chuckling away and laughing at it because they made light of it and they're famous people. I'm telling you, we cannot be deceived by the lies of the devil. We cannot make light of heaven and hell. and We cannot make light of the blood of Christ. And it's the only way to redemption. I'm pointing a finger at my wife, so I shouldn't do it. I'm sorry. There's three pointing back at me. Friends, I want you to know this morning, my heart is out to you. Know Jesus Christ. Get it right with Jesus Christ. Get it right with the Father because when I open my eyes after my time comes to leave this world, I want to open them up and see you next to me. And not only you, but all that we have the opportunity to reach. Amen? Man, the next few weeks you might just get a little bit more of this. Amen? Amen. Yeah, you know what, I've tried to educate you on a lot of stuff and I must be a really lousy teacher. So I'm just going to give you the gospel as I know it. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. It takes faith to make the step from death to life. But I'm telling you, it'll be the best step you ever make. If you want to know Jesus this morning, I'm not leaving here until I pray for you and introduce you to him. If you've been away from him, if your heart's been broken and you're bitter and shattered, let him heal you. His covenant is written on your heart and on your mind. God has a destiny and a purpose for his church. Let's make it a good one. Love you guys. Have a great morning. Thank you for joining us on Zoom. And uh, have a great week. Seek God. And uh, come back for part three next week. Whatever that's going to look like.